Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. of my disappearance were greatly exaggerated, but have no fear. Uncle Remzo is here, or as some of you like to call me, Daddy. But we don't discuss that here on the show. Welcome back to the SPC Newsroom. We are covering a few leaked details from Hollywood this week. We're going to be discussing what the expectations are for the upcoming James Bond successor to Daniel Craig. While we're at it, we'll also be going over a few leaked details, rumors that is, regarding the Black Adam film. So if you're like me, you don't care whether or not someone spoils Black Adam for you, so I'm hoping you don't mind if we go ahead and discuss a little bit about that today, especially since we're just discussing rumors. Black Adam might be the only DC film that DC wants to really talk about right now because it seems that everything else they tried to put up, especially in light of the Ezra Miller bullshit, has seemed to have been pushed over to 2023. Apart from that, what we're also dealing with is, while the directors might want to admit it or not, potential reshoots because of everything that happened of the cancellation of their Batgirl film. We don't know what's going on with the fate of Ezra Miller's Flash, but what we do know is that the reports that Michael Keaton would be having a substantial role in the newly rebooted DCEU post-Flash film might not necessarily be true. While we're at that, we're also going to be discussing one of my favorite franchises, James Bond, and what's going on as they want to go ahead and touch on his emotional side. So sit back, relax, grab a nice, you know, gin and tonic, pull out a cigar, put the kids in the dog kennel, send the dog outside, give your wife your credit card, and let me go ahead and give you this audible chocolate uh, podcast ASMR that you've been waiting for because it's been uh, a couple of weeks. And while I'm at it, I do want to go ahead and say thank you to some listeners who reached out to me over in our Second Print Comics fan zone which is available for our Patreon supporters, patrons for $5 and up, go ahead and get access to our private Facebook group where we go ahead and talk about all our Illuminati bullshit. Um, I went ahead and mentioned that I had been dealing with some family stuff and that I had to leave abruptly. And I want to go ahead and thank Mark for covering a couple of weeks because it really helped me out. And it was a, it was a difficult uh, a couple of weeks. Luckily, things are all right, and I'm back in Wisconsin behind the magic golden microphone. And um, you know, some of you reached out to me, uh, listeners like uh, Dale. Dale went ahead and called me because Dale has my number, and a few others. Uh, you know, just said, you know, we're praying for you. Best wishes. 
Um, we appreciate you. So I want to say thank you to everybody for the kind words. I'm back. And, uh, you know, it's always good to be back because I don't like not doing the show. Um, you know, for those of you that know me, you know that this is not the only show I do. I host and produce a couple of others, but SPC is my love child. Um, you know, if that, if it makes it my love child, then it also makes it Mark's love child, which makes it half Jewish, which means it should be making us more money. So I might as well go ahead and plug the Patreon once again. Thank you, Patreon supporters. Uh, $5 and up gets you so much stuff. Where we'll be doing our SPC um, gym call journey and the mystery call next week. I am back this weekend recording a bunch of, of Remso versus the DCEU episodes um, because I promised you those and I'm, I'm going to get them to you. And we've got She-Hulk reviews and so much more. Um, next month, Mark is picking out some books to send to our October patrons at the Epic Crossover level, which is $25 or above. So wherever you are in the world, all types of people, all people can go ahead and benefit from us curating your graphic novel library. So all that and more, patreon.com slash secondprintpod. Uh, both of today's sources come from boundingintocomics.com. I'll go ahead and include the links in the show notes. Let's go ahead and start with James Bond. I liked the last James Bond. Um, you know, I think whether or not you liked Daniel Craig is ultimately going to determine whether or not you liked No Time to Die. But I, I've been a fan of the Craig Bond since uh, Casino Royale. In fact, I think Casino Royale is my favorite Bond movie, period. Uh, I tend, you know, Mark makes fun of me when I go ahead and say things like Shazam is a Christmas movie or Deadpool 2 is a Valentine's Day movie and stuff like that, which they are. But for me, um, Skyfall is a Christmas movie because it has snow. <laughs> so I watch Skyfall with my father every Christmas. Um, but with that said, you know, the, the Craig franchise has not always been great, but what I will say is it was great for what it needed to do, which is bring James Bond out of the Cold War and into the post 9-11 world of espionage and everything else. It made it kept Bond cool. Um, you know, Casino Royale is just I mean, nothing nothing to me ever got better than Casino Royale. Um Quantum of Solace, you know, I will defend it as an action flick and as a direct follow-up to the events of Casino Royale, but standalone as a Bond flick, not very Bond-like. It was just, it's just there. Um, Skyfall was remarkable. That just busted so many box office records. I saw it three times in high school. Uh, that's what really, really recaptured people who were into Bond. And then we had, we, we had, um... Spectre, which honestly, sometimes I forget that Spectre exists. Spectre was just, it was a hodgepodge of a lot of things, but it was coming out in a year where we had Captain America, the Winter Soldier, and a few other octopus-themed terrorist organizations, and the action wasn't there. And um, not many people know this, but Daniel Craig filmed half the film with a broken leg. So when you think he's phoning it in, he actually kind of is because he's trying to not deal with the pain. There's a scene. Um, I actually think the, the intro to the film before the opening credits, um, they actually filmed that last because that was the most expensive and the, and the most difficult scene to film because of all the choreography, because they filmed it in Mexico. It's the day of the dead scene uh, with the giant helicopter fight and everything. Probably the best part of the movie because everything after that is just forgettable. 
Um, but they actually film that last. And when you see James Bond walking across the rooftops to go over to the one ledge where he's going to go ahead and pull out his sniper rifle, um, he's actually wearing a pros- – well, he's not wearing a prosthetic, but he's wearing a leg brace. And what they actually have is they have these green screen covered um, uh, like harnesses around him because they had a crane that was basically carrying Daniel Craig. So he's basically kind of like floating on air and they were able to remove it in a, in post. But like, you know, it, it wasn't, it wasn't a great film, even by bond standards. It wasn't great. It didn't do a good job introducing Blofeld. It barely really finishes off a lot of the themes of Casino Royale that were set. And as a standalone, it's just, it's not great. I'm not a fan of the um, of the forced romance between him and the Bond girl in that film. At the end of it, I almost felt like this franchise had just been so all over the place that Spectre, for me, was kind of where I felt like my, my love affair with the Craig Bond franchise ended. I was like, you know, if they end it here and reboot it, I'm totally fine. They could end it. But when they went ahead and announced way on her back that they were going to go ahead and do No Time to Die, which I did a review for on Patreon because I got to keep shilling away because uh, that's my role here. Um, you know, I was a bit confused. And No Time to Die, what, what I will say is that I like it stylistically. I like um, uh, Corey uh, Fuki, what, whatever his name is. I, I, I don't say that facetiously. I'm saying it with all respect. Um, but like stylistically, like it's a good film. Like there aren't many action films that try and look visually appeasing and it it did a lot. It closed a lot of, uh, you know, loopholes, but at the same time, it's like, I felt a lot of that had already been done in Spectre. So it felt more like an epilogue than it did a closure, a, a conclusion, but nothing gets more conclusive than killing James Bond. So what they're very firmly doing is saying that everything before the Craig franchise is its own thing. The Craig franchise, the Craig era, which lasted over a decade and a half, uh, five movies, is um, is going to be encapsulating its own thing. But now what they're going to do is they're going to go ahead and recast James Bond because obviously James Bond must live. Uh, they're going to go ahead and have it be in its own standalone world, universe, whatever you want to call it. And they want to go ahead and make it more emotional, which I think it's really weird because I saw a joke the other day on a James Bond uh, subreddit forum where somebody is like the old Bond movies and you have a Bond girl introducing herself to what I always think in my head is Sean Connery and Sean Connery's like, what's your name? And she's like, my my name is Lots of Pussy or something like that or my name is Kate Ass, like something just very derogatory and sexist and funny. Because obviously they're making fun of the, what's your name? My name is Pussy Galore. I must be dreaming. Um, and then it's like James Bond today in, in the next thing where it's like, James, you have to understand your generational trauma or else you'll never be able to find peace in the world. And, and what it's doing is it's drawing a juxtaposition between the Bond of old, um, which created the lore, and the, the newer Bond, which I think was great for a lot of people because, um, you know, the, the only other like really emotional Bond flick where you had like, the side of all the bond machismo you want versus 
stuff that people who might not like James Bond because they might not like what he represents or something likes is my personal favorite Bond flick on Her Majesty's Secret Service. I, I showed it to my wife one year. In fact, um, we, we love that movie so much and we love the themes of it that um, All the Time in the World by Louis Armstrong was the first dance that my wife and I had at our wedding. And, uh, you know, I just, it, it was a very Bond-esque wedding. I actually wore a suit that was exactly like the one that Sean Connery wore in Goldfinger. And we had, mar- you know, martinis and everything. It was, and we had a mansion. Like, it was actually a very Bond wedding without being intended. But it's because we had been so inspired by On Her Majesty's Secret Service. That's how much I love the Bond franchise. In fact, across from me is a signed autograph by... Um, George Lazenby, who was the Bond in On Her Majesty's Secret Service. So other than that, we never really got much of it. The Bond films weren't known for that. The Bond films, while they might have aspects of romance and drama and emotional development, especially if you look at like um, like the, the, the Timothy Dalton Bond films, License to Kill goes into a lot of that stuff, which is the most violent of the Bond flicks. Um, you know, up until that point, it was only Bond. And a lot of people were trying to judge No Time to Die, thinking it was going to be a woke Bond film because you were going to have a female 007, and then you had that amazing action sequence with um, uh, Anna de Armas, who's playing Marilyn Monroe in the movie Blonde. She played uh, Paloma in that movie, and a lot of people were like, Paloma's the best part when she's just kicking ass and everything. Uh, I thought she was great. I think all the actresses were great, especially... Um, the woman who played, um, and I'm terrible with names. I'm not saying I'm not not saying someone's name to disrespect. Them. I just don't remember names. The woman who plays, um, you know, uh, Monica Rambo and Captain Marvel, and she played uh, the female 007 in No Time to Die. I think they were all fantastic. I had nothing wrong. I had nothing really wrong with the castings in the movie. I hated that stupid German professor um, who they, who she kills at the end of the film. In fact, I thought it was cool when she killed him otherwise like it was not the woke bond film a lot of people um said it would be if anything they said that it was to show bond is outdated bond has been emasculated bond is at the end of his wits and i mean you can't have as ben shapiro said in a review he did have no time to die you can't continue to have james bond if you expect him to be dad on the weekends making you know breakfast and taking kids to t-ball so while it was not a woke bond it was certainly a bond that was different and for that the only logical conclusion was to kill him. In fact, Daniel Craig had asked that they kill him. And somehow, uh, Corey, Fukujama, whatever, decided let's go ahead and do it because he was one of the folks that wrote the scripts. So with all that said, what are the folks in charge of James Bond hoping to do? I'll go ahead and read this article and provide my thoughts throughout it. The article headline is James Bond franchise producers say future films will further explore Super Spy's emotional side. Quote, Bond is evolving just as men are evolving. Hmm. Without even really reading it, I can tell you uh, men are evolving. But I would call it more like devolving if you want to get really into it. According to a half-sibling production team currently at the helm of the James Bond franchise, the focus placed on the iconic British super spy's more emotional and vulnerable sides in his last outing, No Time to Die, was less a one-off look into a seldom-seen aspect of the character and more of a preview of the franchise's future to come. Barbara Broccoli and Michael G. Wilson, who have served as the overseers of the cinematic incarnation of Ian Fleming's fictional MI6 agent ever since their shared father and co-founding franchise producer, Albert R. Broccoli, 
uh, passed away in 1996, spoke to their vision for Bond's future during a recent interview with Variety. Asked by the entertainment trade news outlet if they had yet to make any progress on finding Daniel Craig's successor for the franchise's um, eponymous, eponymous, I don't know words, we're going to learn it together. The big role, big important role, huge role, important role. The pair began by briefly touching upon the potential casting of Idris Elba, noting that while they loved the Hobbs and Shaw star as an actor, they understood that accepting the job was a daunting commitment for any actor. Uh, Quote, the thing is, it's going to be a couple years It's going to be a couple of years off, said Broccoli. And when we cast Bond, it's a 10 to 12 year commitment. So he's probably thinking, do I really want that thing? Not everybody wants to do that. It was hard enough getting Daniel Craig to do it. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16 ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Uh, Daniel Craig did plenty of films. Cowboys and Aliens, um, The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. He was doing Knives Out and a a bunch of other more indie flicks. I mean, the the guy was working in between. Well, he might be the longest serving Bond, but he certainly has not done the most Bond movies, especially when you count, um, you know, injuries and stuff that kept him off the set, like what occurred in, I think he broke a leg in Skyfall and they broke the same leg in Spectre is what we talked about. Um, Continuing, and he was in his early 30s at the time, added Wilson. The brother-sister duo then admitted that only does the process of that that not that only does the process of rolling out a new James Bond require a phenomenal level of dedication from whichever actor is lucky enough to land the role, but that's also, quote, a big investment for us too. And it's not just about casting an actor for a film, it's about a reinvention. We have to ask ourselves. What are we? Ta- where are we taking it? Explains Broccoli. What do we want to do with the character? And then once we figure that out, who's the right person for that particular reinvention? Uh, however, it seems that this next incarnation of Bond will be far from a complete reinvention of the character, as Variety writes that Broccoli confirmed to them that the humanizing of the once womanizing spy and the ensuring of more fulfilling media roles for female co-stars of the franchise. Uh, done during her and her brother's handling of the franchise will, quote, continue in the next films. It's an evolution, asserted Broccoli, who, in addition to serving as James Bond's producer, is also the current director for the UK chapter of Time's Up. Uh, Bond is evolving just as men are evolving. I don't know who's evolving at a faster pace. Uh, Craig cracked Bond open emotionally, she said. The films over his tenure were the first time we really connected the emotional arc. So with that said, I, I mean, I've got a lot of thoughts, but I will take it. Like if I could just, if I could wish two things, no, if I could wish three things, one cast Henry Calville, Henry Calville is my number one dark horse draft pick for James Bond. He's young enough. He can take on the spirals as seen when he was, um, uh, Napoleon Solo in The Man from Uncle, which is a highly underrated flick. 
primarily because of uh, Army Hammer and the fact that he eats people, uh, which no one wants to talk about. Uh, he was phenomenal as the villain in Mission Impossible Fallout, which is my favorite Mission Impossible film. Uh, I mean, the guy oozes James Bond. He, he is what I want to see in James Bond. I think he would do a tremendous job. Secondly, what I think is great is that when they went with Casino Royale, they went really back into what the Fleming character from the novels was. Because for everyone saying he was a departure, he was only a departure if you compare him to his other cinematic predecessors. The only one on a note-for-note level who could match with Craig was Timothy Dalton. And people criticized Dalton then for his darker tone. But what we saw was that even if you take the Fleming Bond character and put him in a post 9-11, you know, early 21st century setting as it was, because when that movie came out, it was very fashionable, very high tech, very modern. Now I look at it and they're using like, you know, this is before the iPhone came out. People remember that. Um, it, it doesn't age great in every aspect, but like it was pretty phenomenal. But the timeless part about Craig's Bond is that, you know, the, the, they respected the source work and they really dove into what Fleming was going for. So just if you observe Fleming's books from the original James Bond novels he wrote from Casino Royale all the way to his last book uh, that he wrote, um, um, The Man with the Golden Gun, and then you have the, the other predecessor books that – I'm sorry, the other successor books that came out later. And Anthony Horowitz, who wrote the Alex Ryder series, is one of my favorite writers of all time. He wrote uh, several Bond books. I think he's working on another that just came out, which I need to bug my wife about. We need to go to the bookstore and grab it. Um, you know, He wrote um, uh, Forever in a Day, which is actually a prequel to Casino Royale, which is uh, phenomenal. He wrote another book, which is actually a sequel to uh, Goldfinger, which is really good. Um, you know, just just like he got he got Fleming down. Um, so, yeah, I mean, just just pay attention to Fleming. And third, I think if there is one Bond film, which I believe should be the template for all Bond films, it's as I hinted before, it's on Her Majesty's Secret Service on Her Majesty's Secret Service is what I feel is the spiritual end of the Bond story. Because that was the last Bond flick that came out where James Bond was leading the pack of action movies and spy films. And after that, with the, with the, with the Roger Moore era, which I, I'm very fond of, I defend Roger Moore, um, you know, he, he's copying other films. He's copying Star Wars. He's copying Dirty Harry. He's copying, um, you know, a, a lot of more of the satirical uh, espionage spy films that were coming out. That was the last time when James Bond stopped leading and James Bond started following. But in On Her Majesty's Secret Service, this is the first film where you you get to meet those strong female characters that they keep discussing. And I don't I, I don't I think it's a bit disingenuous to say that it just started with with uh, with Vesper Lynn, Eva Green, one of my favorite Bond girls. Uh, in Casino Royale, and it certainly isn't going to end with Paloma and the female 007 and No Time to Die. Um, you know, the, the woman who played the Bond girl in Tomorrow Never Dies was was more of a killer and more of an action hero than Pierce Brosnan was. She's more believable on screen. In fact, they almost gave her her own spinoff. Same goes for Halle Berry, who was actually almost going to do uh, a spinoff series after Die Another Day with Michael Madston as her as her handler for the CIA. And, um, you know, what's what's great about, um, you know, um, Tracy in 
in um in on her Majesty's Secret Service is that you actually see a a Bond girl who can at some time save Bond when he needs it, who who is there for him on a emotional level. And I mean, I think she often gets disregarded as the as the Bond girl who dies at the end of a Bond movie. But really, I mean, it, it hit what you want note for note in terms of, you know, this more emotional side, but also all the classic things, the vodka martinis, taking, you know, shaken knots, not stirred, the Walther PPKs, the suits, you know, the jokes. I mean, it is probably, if you were to take one Bond film and say, these are the recipes you need for all combined to make the best Bond film on Her Majesty's Secret Service is really it. So those three things, uh, cast Henry Calville, pay close attention to the Ian Fleming character of James Bond from the novels and go back to on her Majesty's secret service. If you do that, you'll be perfectly fine. So on to some more superhero oriented stuff. We've got some rumors that are coming out regarding black Adam, which comes out on October 21st. This article reads alleged test screening for a leak for black Adam may shed light on the film's plot. Now, if you, if you don't want spoilers, uh, definitely don't listen to this part, but what I will say is that you should probably take this with a grain of salt because I did read this one prior and I don't think it's telling you anything you don't already know. If anything, we will touch on the potential for whether or not when they showed this test screening, this occurred before or after those supposed Henry Calville reshoots, bringing him back as the Man of Steel into the DCEU. Um, and this is also from Bounding in the Comics. I'll include this link as well underneath the James Bond link in the show notes. Uh, to begin, we have an alleged plot leak from a Black Adam test screening analysis that tries to explain the nature of Superman's rumored presence and how the film changes the balance of power in the DCEU as advertised. There's also light spoilers for the plot, much of which is going to be out there on the web for, and has been there for a while, but this is still where the disclaimer warning is going, so you're fairly warned. Uh, the leak comes courtesy of YouTuber and Snyderverse supporter, hashtag restore the Snyderverse, um, Warstu, and he explained how everything fits together, plus some character summaries and total screen time. Um, in a quick summary, Warstu runs down what happens in the film's various time frames and how the Justice Society forms, starting in uh, Kandok in the ancient period. Teth Adam, Dwayne Johnson's character, Black Adam, loses his son as we see in the trailer and is granted the power by the Wizard of Shazam to avenge his tragedy. I wonder if it'll be the same wizard that we saw in the first Shazam movie. That would be a good way to tie it in. Because while everyone knows they're connected, they've really done a, I don't want to call it a good job, a very deliberate job of saying if you thought this was going to be a light comedy like Shazam, which is, as I mentioned earlier, one of my favorite Christmas movies, um... You know, it just seems diff different. Um, anyway, he becomes Black Adam. He overthrows the ruler who killed his child and takes the throne for himself. Unsatisfied, Adam goes nuclear thinking he can take over the world. And in a way that echoes the source material, the wizard and his council try and stop him, but are decimated before Adam can be trapped in an amulet. That sounds kind of dumb. <laughs> but that is accurate if you want source material for the most part. In the modern day, Adriana, a freedom fighter played by Sarah Shahi, accidentally frees Black Adam, who bonds with a single mother and her son. That sounds like a lot of rock movies. Um, uh, though this is after he incinerates her little militia. Uh, Hawkman 
played by Aldous Hodge, is alerted to the ancient tyrant's awakening and reforms the Justice Society of America, which has been on ice since the Cold War. Not that bothered him much. The reincarnating wingman is disillusioned about heroism in the beginning due to the death of his wife. Hmm, I wonder who his wife is. Hawk girl! Um, the rise of Black Adam, however, is an emergency of nigh-catastrophic uh, proportions. So he and academic Dr. Fate, Pierce Brosnan, see how everything in this episode ties together, bond on bond, um, reform the team with new recruits, Cyclone, played by uh, Quint Quintessa Swindell, and Adam Smasher, Noah Centineo. Cyclone is the daughter of a founding JSA member, Ma Hunkle, slash Red Tornado, while Smasher is the grandson of the society's greatest enemy. We know this to be the Cyclotron, slash Terry Curtis, in the comics, but Warstu doesn't name him or the senior Hunkle. Um, while they chase Black Adam, Marwin Kinzari's character, which, still secret, is practically a given, he is uh, Ishmael Gregor, chases down the power of Sabak eventually drawing attention of the heroes and their quarry. The team must, they must team up to stop him, and during the battle, Black Adam's power impales Adriana, turning her into Isis in a long-suspected twist that IMDb confirms in an updated cast and crew credits on their website. Uh, as Sabak, Kenzari isn't on screen very long, Warstu claims, and is mostly concealed behind heavy CGI. This has given me Wonder Woman vibes already when she has to fight, um, when she has to fight uh, Ares at the end of that, where it's just, it, it's not, it's not the best cinematic fight scene. It, it's given me, it's given me Joss, Joss Whedon Steppenwolf vibes, okay? That, that's, that's what I'm getting from this. Esabak, Kenzari isn't on screen very long, Warstu claims, is mostly concealed by heavy CGI. This short time is clearly spent in the duration of the final battle, which, no surprise, he loses. Winning the day, Black Adam retakes the throne of Kandak with Adriana at his side and his faith in humanity restored. Aw, it's like Saddam Hussein if, you know, he caught the spirit of Christmas or some shit. Uh, Hawkman's faith in heroes and saving the day is renewed too, and he goes off with the JSA to recruit and train more members for the next generation. We covered much of this before, but you are probably wondering about Superman by now. Warstu is less certain about what he believes Superman and Henry Cavill are in the film. Uh, I'm sorry, let me reread that. Warstu is less certain about that, but he believes Superman and Henry Cavill are in the film. So he's not saying he doesn't think he's in the film, but there's not a lot to lead him to think that he's absolutely positively sure about that. Um, taking into account previous scoops about his silhouetted cameo. So maybe, maybe, and this would, this would actually offend a lot of fans. They might do what they did at the end of Shazam in the cafeteria scene where you see somebody walk out in a Superman costume, but they cut them off from the neck above. So you see a person, but you obviously know it's Superman, but it's not Henry Calville. And I would say they probably, they, I hope they don't do what they did in Peacemaker where you see Aquaman, um, you know, flash, but then it's like you see a silhouetted Superman, a silhouetted Batman, because at this point, no one ever knew if we were going to see Henry, um, you know, Henry Calville, especially Ben Affleck coming back. But it seems like Ben Affleck, Batflick, my favorite Batman, might be making a return. And then a silhouetted Gal Gadot because she was fighting with the studio because of the Joss Whedon stuff. So I hope they don't do that, but they might do that. Um, 
he adds that the cameo is like, likely has something to do with Amanda Waller, who we recently found out is in the film through the recent commercial that was put out this past week, um, who also makes an appearance in the film. Warstu makes it clear he hopes more than further cameos in other DC films spring out of this for the busy Calville. He must not have heard... <laughs> Uh, that is quite possibly the case. We remind you to take these spoilers with a grain of salt as they can't be totally confirmed um, until Black Adam reaches theaters next month. I'm a rock fan. Mark is a rock fan. I, I, I will see anything with The Rock. Uh, I know a lot of people think that Black Adam is going to be a gimmicky film, but you know, it's, got, it's the only DC film we're going to get this year. So we should give it a chance. Well, did suicide, yeah, the Suicide Squad came out last year. It's been a minute, okay? It's been a minute. It's been a minute. So that's about it. That's all she wrote. Thank you once again for tuning into the newsroom. Please go ahead and subscribe to Second Break Comics wherever you're listening to us across the World Wide Web. Invite a friend. Leave us a rating and review wherever you listen to the show. Let's us know you love us so we can keep putting more content out. And if you're content-deprived and want to join the SPC community for all our awesome perks and more, check us out at patreon.com slash secondprintpod. As always, if there's one thing you can do, it comes simply as ever. It's read comics and change the world. Good night, America. Be sure to leave the show a five-star rating and review and support the crew at patreon.com slash secondprintpod. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.